Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Brett Klein. He is a chief marketing officer, executive marketing advisor, entrepreneur, investor, and currently you are heading up Medici Marketplace. That's a lot. Yeah, right? Yeah. You're all over when the marketing world. you hear somebody world. else say it. Yeah. Yay. Thank you, Brett, for being here today. You're also a good buddy of mine. Here. One of my Medici friends. Yes. Which we all love each other. So <laughs> so talk about Medici Marketplace because this is super exciting. Sure. I joined Medici Media Space in March after I made the decision to break out and start my own consulting practice. And... At that time, the media space member, uh, the number of members was somewhere around 50. In August, the media space passed an uh, important threshold of 100 members. Yeah. And in talking with Brian and Josh, and we were looking back at the, the list of members, we realized that almost 30% of the member base fall in some shape or form, marketing and media. It's so true, though. We have a ton of marketing people, and we really don't, most of us don't even cross each other. That's how crazy and big marketing is. Yep. So the big idea was, how do we bring this collection of companies together, these experts that fall in their own respective disciplines, bring them together to develop a, a cooperative marketing and media services company called The Marketplace? Right. And so we are fast and furiously building a website, uh, creating a platform for the 30 or so odd companies to market and merchandise themselves in a, in a very unique way, as well as the marketplace being able to go into the market and identify opportunities and bring those opportunities back into the marketplace. And I'm going to pat us on the back because we are really an innovative group of people. Yep. I mean, that's like the most, it is, that is the fun thing about Medici. It's like the trailblazer people because a lot of us joined not really understanding what was Medici was going to become, yep. but we joined because we could feel the energy of the place. We were like, something's here. I'm joining. You know, and then it just ended up being like more and more people were showing up and we're like, we have this awesome group of human beings who are very passionate about what they do. And we don't and we and we realized that our skill sets could kind of hold hands right. and be a bigger solution right. for those companies out there. Collaboration is is a, a major theme at Medici. Yep. There's really three I was describing this yesterday. There's really three continuums that I kind of go keep going back to and we had a exercise with brian and josh yesterday we took them through a strategy session uh which was kind of unique really we, yeah we turned, that's like that's turning the, the tables, tables right on oh well tell us and got to <laughs> got to learn really uh some important things about what their core tenants are but it comes down to three continuums in my mind relational versus transactional mm -hmm. there's exponential growth versus marginal growth and then there is um Oh, what was the third one? We can come back to it if you don't We can remember. come back to it. It'll, it'll show up. Yeah. It, it might show up on your drive home, which then I'll just tell I'll, about yeah, another I'll podcast. On, I'll, exactly. <laughs> I'll be driving home and it'll come to me. It'll come to me in about probably a couple minutes. I'll but how did you to come to Medici? Because, okay, you are a well-traveled yeah. human being. You have been to many places. I have. So, I mean, you have to tell me about all the places you've lived. I know China is one, yep. right? What did you do in China? 
In China, I was working for Las Vegas Sands. Uh, they're publicly traded subsidiary Sands China, okay. based in Macau, which is on the southern tip of, of China. All right. And I was responsible for all of relationship marketing uh, at the Sands China level. So I had five properties that I was responsible for. Oh, and wow. when I say properties, these are mega integrated resorts. If you have been to Las Vegas and you see the big resorts in Las Vegas, Macau resorts are about two to three times the size of what you really? find in Las Vegas. Oh my gosh, but in Vegas is like humongous. They're big. Yep. I mean, it's what always... Okay, so the the times I've been to Vegas, what I always think is so funny is that you're like, oh, there's blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then you're like walking and you're walking. Yep. You're like, okay, I've been walking five miles and I'm still not there. Yeah. <laughs> that place is huge. <laughs> you know, so I can't even imagine. It's even bigger. The Venetian in Macau is approximately, I want to say 10 million square feet. And the Pentagon in, is 7 million square feet. The Pentagon used to be the largest building in the world. Really? And the Venetian alone, just in Macau, is about 10 million square feet. Oh gosh, so wait a minute. Is Macau like the China Las Vegas? It is the Las Vegas of Asia. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But and they're big, the, the feeder market, which is mainland China, represents about 1.3 billion people. Right, so gotcha. <laughs> it's a big feeder market. <laughs> so relationship marketing, yeah. I love that. That was your title? It was Senior Vice President of Relationship Marketing. Really? Yep. I love that title. I think relationship marketing is so important. In in the casino and hospitality space and a lot of other industries, obviously, customer engagement is extremely important. Right. Customer loyalty, uh, the mechanism and how you do that. So I was responsible for the loyalty program that right. spanned over across the five properties in Macau called Sands Rewards. All of the data and analytics that go behind it, uh, decision science and segmentation, the um, just I like the sound of decision science. Decision science. What's the science this? of marketing. Well, I decision <laughs> science. Yeah. So is that a, is that this person more than likely is going to want this? Decision science. <laughs> decision science is really a it's a discipline, and I put it in two different buckets. One would be a closed loop discipline, a discipline which says you develop a hypothesis. What are you aiming to learn? Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen? And then you determine what the intervention should be. So is it an offer? What's the incentive? You don't just send it out to everybody. You first test it. And so you typically put a random sample together of about 10% of your audience. And then you just, um, you you send the offer or the incentive to just that 10% to see how they behave. Then what did you learn? Based on that learning, what's your next... Um, set of activities. And so we call it closed loop discipline. Gotcha. And then the other uh, way to describe it is more just continuous learning mindset. And so you always want to continuously learn. The way you do that is by going through this closed loop process. That is, and I guess when you have 10 million square feet and that many people that are filling it up, yep. you can, <laughs> 10% of your group, it's easy to, you know, like get them engaged and then figure out what the rest of the group is going to go for. Right and exactly. be interested in exactly. So it was mainly with the you are your relationship had to do with the people that were showing up the most, the consumers that were showing up the most. Exactly, a lot of our focus was on the customers that we knew. Uh, obviously, we wanted to acquire more customers and grow the database. Mm-hmm. Um, in China, it's a little different because you can't market a casino loyalty program back into mainland China. 
So we, we had to capture as much while they were in market as we possibly could. Oh, And the gotcha. fidelity of the data, particularly in, in, in Asia, is not as good as the fidelity of the data that you have here in the United States and other parts of the world. Okay. And all my time with the companies that I worked for prior to Las Vegas Sands, we had very rich data to, to work with. How interesting. So I have this other question that keeps coming up to me with all of this. <clears throat> so there in China, all yes. right, okay, and you, like, what, what was... What was the the like? How was the mindset different than here when it came? I mean, is there a different mindset when it comes to gambling? Gambling in in Asia that is a that is a deep rooted cultural uh, phenomenon. It's wildly accepted. It's basically normal course of of life. Really, and it's gone back many 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 generations. So the idea of gaming, gambling, wagering. Uh, is is a culturally accepted practice. It's just part of what we do. Oh, cool. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Okay. We'll be right back with Brett Klein. Okay, and we are back with Brett Klein, and we remembered during the break. We did. The third continuum. Yeah. Do say. Okay, the three continuums, abundance, scarcity, mm-hmm. relational, transactional, yep. exponential growth, marginal growth. All right, we got them. And abundance, scarcity is a big thing at Medici, big which thing. is so funny that Absolutely. we both like, we're like, huh, what? Because um, we've talked about how the scarcity mindset, it's yeah. not going to serve you if you want to be successful. You have to have that abundance mindset. But it's Absolutely. hard. I mean, I think that's hard for some people, right? Because if you haven't grown up with abundance and now all of a sudden you've got to become this abundant mindset, I mean, that, that can be a block for a lot of people, right? Yeah, I, I, I believe that. I'm only eight months into my entrepreneurial uh, world, if you will. Right. And I think entrepreneurs and solopreneurs in, in general inherently, you know, they're, it's kind of want to protect their their territory. And so it's hard to get out of that mindset and think more abundantly. How do I collaborate with more people? How do I partner with more people? Strategically developing alliances and relationships. Right. Uh, Sometimes that's not the first thought of somebody trying to chart their own course and uh, figure out a way to continue to pay the bills and, and put food on the table. Right. Well, and I think, you know, and I get I get watching your competition, but I will be honest with you, I really don't. It's it's co it's co-competition. If you yeah. can find a way to still compete, but if you're able to collaborate together, it's that exponential growth mindset. Exactly. The one plus one equals ten theory. And I think and what's so interesting to me is that, you know, because I've got so many people that I've partnered with over the years that I just love and trust and adore. But and there may be some crossover with what we do, mm-hmm. but in general it's like we really like working with each other. Yep. So it's so much fun. You it know? Is fun. But I will tell you, I have this whole thing about competition in that if you watch them too much, I think it makes you feel bad about yourself because you start thinking well, maybe I should be doing that. Well, yep. whereas, and I think the other thing is, is that it takes away from your originality because you don't want to muddy your waters. You want to, I, I like being an original thinker. So I think it's really good to just like let yourself try the stuff you want to try. 
even if it's kind of, I mean, in my world, it usually is wacky. <laughs> what I want to try. It, not me. <laughs> like, mm, let's just see what happens. But the thing is, is that most of the time when I try something really wacky, I end up going, oh, I get how I can do this now. I get how this could be a thing, mm-hmm. you know, which is fun. Because that's, I think entrepreneurs really, we want to have fun. We want to play around with our ideas, right? We're, we are nonconformist. Yeah, well, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so what made you decide, I'm, not, I'm, I'm done with working mm-hmm. for other people, I'm doing this on my own? I had a belief and a confidence that I could do it. I, my ambitions, I want to work with lots of different companies and work with lots of different people. In the last 20 years, I've worked for two companies. Really? Worked for two companies. I want to partner and work with lots of different companies. Gotcha. And help them uh, grow their businesses. And so that was my motivation. I, I felt 20 years of experience uh, and the knowledge that I've accumulated across all of those positions that I've had with the two companies and the number of places that I have lived, all the experiences that I have, all the relationships uh, that I've been able to forge over the last 20 years. You know, you, you kind of wait for the planets to align, but at, but at some point you just got to put a stake in the ground and, and go. Yeah. And so Say, I did. I'm doing this. So yeah. how did you find your way to Medici? Good question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I met a gentleman by the name of Tom Hill. Okay. And somebody that I actually have a formal he's as a professional coach right so i'm a paying client of his he has his monthly mastermind meetings at medici right so way back in in march he invited me to his mastermind meeting at medici that was right at the time that i constituted my fractional chief marketing officer consulting practice uh-huh and i was pon- yeah, I was I guess I was just going through the, um, how, the, I guess these challenges of how am I going to scale me because right. I'm just one person. Right. If I start to work with companies and partner with company leaders that need marketing services delivered, how do I do that? So by happenstance, I went to the mastermind meeting at Medici. I met Brian Lunt. He gave me a tour of the of the campus and started to talk about the the DNA of Medici and then the ecosystem of companies that were a part of, uh, of, the, of the collaboration that is Medici. And it hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. I shouldn't say ton of bricks. It was like an epiphany. <laughs> that would hurt. It was, it, was, uh, it was an epiphany. So I said, yeah. this is how I do it. Right. I can be the fractional CMO. I can be the strategic partner for a, for a company uh, on the marketing side. And then I can partner with a number of Medici media space members to actually get the work done. Yeah. And fulfill the work. Because we were all there. Yep. It's so cool. I love it. I so love it essence, so much. So in essence, the marketplace has been in existence since March. Okay. But just now, really but coming into- But now we're into, actually in yeah, we're order like, of magnitude much bigger. And then make a website. Yep. <laughs> Doing the we're stuff you're official. supposed to do. That's right. <laughs> I love it. That is, okay. I did not know how you came to Medici. So mm-hmm. thanks for sharing that. All right. And so now, China, where else have you lived? Oh, boy. Where should I, should I start? Just just throw some places out there. Childhood or should I? Because sure. it's been what? like 40 really? moves in my life. No. Yeah. I, That's I, hard when you're a kid. My dad was an army officer, grew okay. up in a military family. 
So gotcha. we moved on average about every three years, lived in Germany for three years, uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Went to um, University of Edinburgh Management School for my MBA. Right. So I lived in Edinburgh, Scotland for two years. And then recently China, but I've, I've been, I have I can go through all of them, Monterey, California, Colorado Springs, um, El Paso, Texas, um, Washington, D.C., Las Vegas, Shreveport, Louisiana, Kansas, Topeka, Kansas, oh my East Chicago. God. Like, I can keep going. There's, it's so. This, but that's hard, isn't that hard? On isn't that hard for? I a just kid? didn't know any different. It was. But uh, you, so you, you, you grew up okay with all this. So you're like, yeah, I'm good. I, I was fine. You know, you, you become, you develop this ability to assimilate and adjust. Uh, to your to your surroundings, and so maybe that's. But are you setting down roots now? It feels like it feels like you're setting down roots. We made the decision when we moved back. Uh, when we moved, when we're moving back from China, that we made the decision to come to St. Louis. My wife, we, my wife and I have moved eight times in seventeen years wow. since we've been married. Yeah. She is from a small town west of here. Okay. Near Washington, Marthasville, Missouri. Okay. Her mother and father live in Marthasville. She has a sister. Her husband. Uh, five children live here in St. Louis. So when I decided to leave Las Vegas Sands, the intention was they wanted me to transition back to Las Vegas, and I said that I didn't want to do that. So I left the company altogether, and we could have moved anywhere. Um, right. But we, we moved to St. Louis, and it, was, it wasn't for professional reasons. I didn't get a promotion. I didn't get a transfer. I didn't start a job here. Right. I came here. For personal reasons, we wanted to plant some roots, have some stability for our kids, so they can go through one school right. um, system in one place, and for my wife to have an opportunity to be close to her side of the family, uh, which she hasn't had the opportunity since uh, at least we've been married. Wow! So St. Louis, I mean, you're here at a good time. There's a lot going on in St. Louis right now. There is. We're, we're like a cool town. I'm a- <laughs> As a yes, I wish I am learning a lot about St. Louis. I'm obviously not from here, some and more broadly, not from the Midwest, right? And so, there's it's just different, you know. I'm used to moving around every two to three years, and that's the that's the mindset that I've been in. The idea of moving to St. Louis and being here for a, a long period of time and learning a whole new city. Mm-hmm. At the same time, and is very it's just a very different experience for me. Well, it'll be fun. At to the same time, it. deciding to now be an entrepreneur and partner and collaborate Let's with lots of other cool people. Let's just make a whole bunch of changes all at once. Yeah. Why not? Just blow everything up. <laughs> That'll keep you awake. Yeah. All right, I'm mm-hmm. off to go. Well, that's awesome. Well, welcome to St. Louis, Brett. I'm happy you're here. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Brett Klein. Okay, we are back with Brett Klein. It's question time. I have questions for you, sir. So, um, with all this moving around that you did, okay, so tell me about the mindset of this. Okay, like what was the craziest thing you did as a kid? All this moving around. Did you do, ever do anything kind of wacky, crazy? You were no. a good child. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was just a different time. You just, 
imagine my my mom and dad didn't have the same concerns and fears that that my wife and I have today of our of our kids and giving them the freedom to you know get on their bike and ride around the neighborhood by themselves. Right, gotcha. Living in Germany, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, that was in the middle middle part of the eighties, and we would just go out into the cornfields and play hide and seek, or we would get on our bikes and go down go down to the middle of the village and we were just on our own. Right. Yeah. And same thing, we moved back to the United States after Germany. Everybody looked after each other, their neighbors looked after each other, and it just seemed like a different place and a different time. So my my mom and dad were not helicopter parents by any means. Right. You know, we, right. We weren't bad kids, but we did do some adventurous things and we would you know, we'd like to be outside, we like to play sports and so no really crazy stories, um, but just normal childhood, happy-go-lucky kid that liked to play sports and liked to be outside and liked to be with his friends. And you've talked about, it seems like you really liked Germany. Did, did, I, I have mean, a strong just, affinity yeah, to Germany. Yeah, it just Germany. seems like it. I mean, so... I like so, the food, I like the people. Um, my favorite national team, uh, soccer team, is Germany. Okay. One of my favorite club teams is uh, Bayern Munich. I... I just loved being there. I learned how to ski in Bavaria, uh, Birch's Garden, and oh, cool. skied in Garmisch, and skied in Austria. I just that I just have an affinity for. I can tell because when you culture. say you get your yeah. eyes get all sparkly, yeah. <laughs> you're like Germany. I like Germany. Germany. <laughs> the right. food in particular. But talk about when you went to business school, okay, yep. in Ed- <clears throat> Edinburgh. Is that how to say it? Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Um, what was your favorite favorite fact about that area, that place? I love Scotland. I yeah? just absolutely love Scotland too. Germany and Scotland. I could live in either one. Really? Maybe someday I'll buy a little cottage in the Highlands in Scotland and and go and get off get off the grid. I, you know, there's uh, there are a lot of aspects to my graduate school experience that I just absolutely loved. There are 36 different countries that were represented Ooh. in my class. Cool. And only 108 students. So the diversity of the student body it was more than you could, I could ever imagine. How fun. And it was uh, just an absolutely amazing experience. And you're, you know, you're working in very close uh, strategic groups, having to work out challenges, language barriers, uh, different cultural nuances right. that um, you're forced to, to figure it out. And the city itself, beautiful city. It was, I had a, chance to go to Edinburgh many years before that. Uh, my friend worked for American Airlines and he was leaving American Airlines and he had one buddy pass and he said, where do you want to go? We can go anywhere in the world. And that was at the time that um, Braveheart was out. Okay. And so we went on a pilgrimage <laughs> to go see William Wallace's sword in Stirling, really? Scotland. And we came up to Waverly Station, the train station in the middle of uh, Edinburgh, walked out and I looked at the castle up on the hill and I said, this is unbelievable. I will be coming back here someday. Oh my gosh! And so I ended up having, coming back for for graduate school. The now, city is just—it's uh, that castle's on a volcano, isn't it? It is sits there on something a, about that. It sits, yes. yes. Okay. Yep. Not a live volcano. Not a live volcano. But, no, but go ahead. You were going to say something else. No, just the kind-hearted, good people. Um, the food not so good. <laughs> I ate fish and chips a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I never really got into is that where eating haggis. haggis. Is from, ugh, that's just oh, 
No, that just doesn't sound good to me. But a lot of diversity in terms of the food as well. Lots of international restaurants. And I liked, um, there was an Ethiopian restaurant that was one of my favorites that I would go in and get uh, this chicken wrap. And I ate a lot of those (laughs) and a lot of fish and chips. (laughs) Well, at least they had some other things to eat there than haggis. Yeah, and just because of the longitude where the city sits, the... um, during the wintertime, it stays dark like 18 hours of the day. And then during the summertime, it stays light about 18 hours of the day. Golly, yeah. that's, that's interesting. That would, be, that would be a weird experience. And just as you get out of uh, Edinburgh and go north into the highlands, I mean, there's, it's just breathtaking, the scenery. and it's, just, it's, a, it's a great place, beautiful place. So out of all these different cultures you've experienced over the years, is there any aspect of a culture that you've thought, I wish America had a little bit more of that? Great question. Or that you just, um, are you just admired about another culture? We traveled a lot in Asia. Our, Our goal was not to just go to all the big touristy destinations. We wanted to pick places that were a little bit more raw, a little bit more off the beaten path. Which is a bit odd because, you know, when you're traveling with three young kids, that's kind of not the mindset. <laughs> you know, you want to go to a safe place, right. make sure you don't put yourself at risk. Right. But we were thoughtful in terms of where we went and made sure that we had guides and um, that we didn't wander too far off the beaten path. Gotcha. But uh, the trips to, we made a trip to Cambodia and saw Angkor Wat and the people there you know they don't know what they don't you know they don't know what they don't have right and i wish sometimes that we would have kind of that similar mindset which is we're happy with you know our immediate family unit we're happy with having a roof over our head we're happy with you know the maslow's hierarchy of needs you right. know those critical ones right. in many places in the world that's where it stops and making sure you have food and shelter and that the relationships that you have and you're surrounded with is really what's important. I and love I that. saw a lot of that when we traveled uh, to some of the more unique places in Asia. Vietnam was the same, Cambodia. There's some interesting um, places in China that are not, you know, not that well traveled. Right. And just some just fascinating, good natured, good hearted people. I love and that. I know and what's it's, important in life. It's true because we get bombarded. Every day right. with, and I mean, and you know, I mean, how old are your kids? 14, 11, and eight. So, you know, they get bombarded with stuff and they want this stuff, right? you know, and, and it, they feel like they needed to be happy a lot of times. Right. You know, I have to have this thing. And, and there's always the kid at school that has more than everybody else and, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it is true. If, if we could simplify, mm-hmm. you know, and just be happy with the simpler things because there's so many there's so many cultures out there that don't have all this choice right. and crazy amount of stuff that you can buy and and so easily accessible. Just get on the internet, get on Amazon, <laughs> purchase it with one click and you've got it, you know. Um, but I love that thought. Thank you. What a nice thought. I have been very fortunate over the last um, several years to be compensated very well for the work that I did, for the companies I worked for, and there always seemed to be a natural progression in terms of 
scope of roles and positions and then commensurate, you know, the, the, the compensation is commensurate with those positions. I've been very, very blessed and very fortunate. I'm not at that level anymore. Um, <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> You'll get there. But the way I think about it is back to those three continuums, which is abundance, which is exponential growth, and which is relational. Not right. the other side, but those three. That if, you've, if you're doing the right things, if you're focused on relationships, if you're focused on, um, again, putting your best foot forward and, and building those relationships and collaborating as much as you can, all that other stuff will, will take care of itself. Exactly. Well yeah. said, Brett Klein. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. Appreciate no, thank this. you. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. Well, I've been wanting to have you on. So Medici Marketplace, mm. we, we don't have a website, but it's coming. It is. But it but Medici Media Space. Days away. You know, so days really days. oh gosh. So by the time this podcast I get this thing out there, <laughs> we will probably have a website. Yes. Wor- worry free marketing is uh, building a website for Medici Marketplace. We Matt love Ryan and adore and team. Matt. Yes, he's one of our Medici people. He is. One of my business partners. I adore him. I had a chance to work with Matt on a project for a company that I invested in uh, called Authentically American. Yes. Yeah. And he just finished their website and it was uh, was launched about two weeks ago. Oh, it's awesome. It's a beautiful, beautiful website. Oh, good. Well, of course it is. AuthenticallyAmerican.us. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you've been, you've been, that's one of the companies that you've been working with and right. investing in, right? right. So. Very cool. Well, awesome. So by the time this podcast is up, we will have a website. So Matt, come, did come you hear us? Yeah, Matt, <laughs> did you hear us? We love Matt. He's like he's truly one of my favorite people. I'm going to go to a. I'm going to a. Um, Northwest Chamber is having a trivia night. Right. I'll be hanging out with Matt there. I poor Matt. I'm not good. At, I'm not going to be great at trivia. I will do my best. <laughs> I hope that they don't want to win. No. And that's pretty competitive. <laughs> I know. I'll just, I, I, hopefully they know it's because it's all um, Harry Potter. Okay. Are you a Harry Potter fan? Uh, no. No? I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm a fan, I'm big but like, fan I don't dangerous. know that I know every, like I've seen all the movies about enough. I know everything. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> a fan only in that my, uh, I've seen the movies and my, my kids, at least my oldest has read the books. Does, does, maybe your oldest needs to come with me. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I could use somebody that really maybe. knows Harry Potter. Awesome. All right. Well, listen, thank you, sir. Thank you. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. And please go to iTunes, subscribe to Mishmash. We will catch you later. Thanks. <laughs>